request Sri P.S. Nazimhaji to uh, switch on um, his video. Okay. I'd like to just say a few words about uh, uh, P.S. Nazim Hagaru. Um, uh, so, uh, Sri Narasimha is a very well-known senior advocate at the Supreme Court of India. He was a former additional solicitor general of India. Sri P.S. Narasimha is very well-known for his deep knowledge of Indian traditional intellectual uh, sorry, Indian, uh, you know, intellectual traditions. Um, of the recent, uh, in the recent Ayodhya case at uh, the Supreme Court, he represented uh, Lord Ram Lalla Virajman uh, appearing for Mahant Ramachandra Das. He was one of the advocates representing the Hindu side who was felicitated by VHP and RSS at, the Ayodh at Ayodhya after the verdict. He is a member of the National Legal Services Authority, uh, NALSA, a body that provides free legal services to the weaker sections by organizing local dalits. He was also recently in the news for his involvement in bringing about major changes in functioning of BCCI as the amicus curiae uh, appointed by Supreme Court of India. Sri P.S. Narasimha is the son of the great Justice Sri P. Kodan Ramayagaru, who played a very important role in publication of major, major Sanskrit texts with commentaries in Telugu language through establishing Arsha Vignana Trust. In fact, uh, before I even uh, met uh, uh, Narzim Mangaru, I realized I actually have uh, two of his books, you know, which I treasure and I've read. Uh, in fact, I have at least uh, 30 to 40 books of Arsha Vignana Trust, which were published. Great works of Sri Pulala Sri Ramachandra Dugaru, uh, you know, works of Advaita, works on Ramayana, works on Mahabharata which were published by Arsha Vignana Trust. And I'm really glad and happy uh, that you know, we have uh, Sri P.S. Narasimha continuing the family tradition of great service uh, to uh, the Hindu traditions. Narasimha Garu, please. Thank you very much. Another, another divine uh, coincidence is his father's name is Kodanda Ramaya. So it's... <laughs> and and Kodanda, Rama, Kodanda Rama image is the one which is used for Ayodhya movement, <laughs> which is a very rare in the North India. In the South India and Badrachalam, we have Kodanda Rama. But using Kodanda Rama in the North India is rare. Yeah. Sir, please go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, and particularly, thank you very much, very, very much of connecting me to my late father. Uh, much of my identity actually belongs to him. And I don't think I can say anything more than that. Uh, thank you very much, Srinivas. Um, you have presented it very well. Um, I want to congratulate the organizers and um, particularly my dear friend Harikiran, who has now made Indic Academy an institution. And uh, its reach is phenomenal. And I'm sure it's going to build and multiply by leaps and bounds in times to come. And uh, the university and other ideas that he has is going to catch the imagination of a lot of people like us who realize that the platforms that are available at present do not cater to the knowledge systems that are existing in our Shastric laws and Shastric books, but uh, 
never been brought to utility and usage and application in the present mandate the present world i wish you all the best uh, hari uh, today's uh, i before i start uh, i was very keenly listening to minakshi ma'am and uh, the way she had marshaled the facts and uh, many of her books were utilized by us and i used to interact with her while the matter was going on and uh, she has recounted to all of us the history from the very commencement the time when the temple didn't exist the time during which hindus fought for their possession back from the hands of those who were controlling the temple and also thereafter this factual background is the basis for me to give an analysis of the judgment before i deal with the judgment of the court and then take you to a into an excursion about how the court went about it there are two or three very important principles that we should keep in mind uh, the first and foremost is the fact that the judgment of the supreme court is an extremely balanced and affirms the constitutional faith that we have in our country i believe it rests on one of the most important features of the constitution that is the principle of fraternity why i say it is fraternity is that the inquiry that the court made leading to its decision for granting the relief to the hindu group by handing over possession of the property i use that expression property it has at the same time i strongly believe this ensured the dignity of the other side by at the same time affirming very many principles which are so integral to the existence of their religion so the way the court formulated its principle its decision and the way it formulated the reasoning behind the judgment is rather phenomenal in times to come people will realize that the court balanced the judgment so beautifully well and ensured that the constitutional rights of all parties are granted and recognized we have uh, in the factual narration and the historical recount by minakshi ji seen the war that was waged for regaining the temple this was physical in nature lot many lives were lost many battles were there many regimes changed all through there was strife continuous strife but with the advent of the judicial system a different war started the second war related to a war war in a court of law it is equally a battle it is no less but then the name of this game is proof proof is the name of the game 
so you need to prove that this place is a matter of belief and faith for us and that number 2 we have a right to access to this place and that we need to have control over this place but how do we we prove this how do we prove that the that we had faith in this and that faith itself can you rise to a possession of the property whatever it may be the methodology of acquiring all that is only by the method that we have established under the evidence act the english evidence act if uh, we need to show in our own times as per our own principles that there is a right of access for any worshipper or even for the deity as it is in its personality or for a priest or the mathadipati or dharmakarta then earlier the inquiry would have simply been that whether this was within your control or not and then the mode of determination was the normal principles that we have under the shastrit law pratyaksha anumana and so on and one of the principles could have been that aitihya which is anything which is said and stated in a itihasa or a purana itself is a principle on the basis of which you could arrive at truth all that is not possible after the constitution and after the application of the adversarial system and the evidence act that we have so the proof of ownership of the property and then the belief and faith were to be made only on the basis of this principles and just imagine this situation why has it become so difficult unimaginable for us to just uh, difficult for us to ask a simple question that for centuries together our people were praying in ayodhya and uh, performing the rituals in sarayu river which is abetting that is it so difficult to imagine that hindus were performing that puja or believing that to be a place it is not as if we are seeking to establish the existence of ram janmabhoomi and st petersburg or some other place outside india or even in nepal as one of the ministers recently said that rama was born there in such situation it would have been very very important to establish that this is the evidence so therefore please grant this property back to me we are now talking about ram janmabhoomi in india in ayodhya in the Uh, just abetting the river sarayu so what is the big difficulty about it when what is the contradictory fact that uh, it is it will become so difficult for any court of law to imagine again we are uh, the re- the reason for all this is that we have to wage this or conduct this war 
by the principles of evidence and evidence is the methodology by virtue of which you will have to produce documents witnesses and other material in a method prescribed by law and to the satisfaction of the court just imagine the greatest difficulty uh, in a court of law to prove a fact of facts such as this though minakshi ji has recounted large number of pieces of evidence but every piece of evidence had to be placed before the court in an appropriate way court must scrutinize it original must be filed signatures are to be filed witnesses they are saying true or not their state statements are truth or not all these aspects have to be gone through there is no other way one indicator one very interesting thing i came up in came across in uh, south africa where after colonialism they had similar problems like us and a tribal society sought to establish some of their rights and again the same aspect came up as to how to prove that you had certain religious and other cultural rights and then the same needed to be proved by the very same methodology of evidence act what they have introduced which we don't have is that a court taking judicial notice of i asked myself i used to ask myself this question is it very difficult for our in our country for a court of law our courts our supreme courts to take judicial notice of the fact that rama is a divinity which people believed in and that the belief continues and extends to the belief that he was born in ayodhya and that there was the temple there people go there people offered oblations there what was so very difficult if the court can take judicial notice of is it necessary that ramayana has to be marked as a document and filed in a court in india should skanda puran should be marked and filed in a court in india so this is one perspective which i am placing before you as to how the inquiry into truth or inquiry into belief is again in a, on a platform which may not really help us in establishing what are our actual rights our beliefs and our values having said that from 1950 onwards when the constitution was established courts were making attempts to move away a little bit and established our own principles to prove what is the scope of proof in matters of religion in matters which are akin to our native rights and things like that but then it's not complete and therefore i agree with many of our friends who say that even though territorial colonialism is over intellectual colonialism continues it continues deep it's deep it's very difficult vocabulary is a very very it's a very big constraint in putting forth and establishing the rights classic example is the sabrimala case 
having said this when the matter reached the court and uh, all of us were prepared to abide by the new rules of the game that is to prove the existence of faith as per the principles of evidence act and also prove the existence of possession of the property as per the evidence act we realized that the real opposition is not actually from the contesting respondents it's much more as i told you as an intellectual fight from the intellectuals there was really speaking an invisible enemy it is the left which virtually conducted the proceedings so therefore the way the evidence was presented the way it was argued that it was done we could see with perhaps um, anybody with faith anybody with belief would not have gone to that extent of arguing the case but then the way it was argued questioning the basic fundamental issues also and our burden on us was was huge phenomenal it was even argued that rama was born after buddha because uh, intellectually it is possible to play around with words and then make an argument and then one had to deal with that argument you don't need there's no point in getting angry about it. one had to deal with this argument many arguments had to be brushed aside because they were emotionally made and there was no need to rebut every any and every argument so therefore mr parasar to his great credit and very 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 restrainful mr vaidyanathan ranjit kumar very very restrainful great amount of patience were shown patience was shown by them and uh, it was phenomenal actually sitting uh, by the side of uh, the seniors and then watching and myself participating in the proceedings oh having said this the burden was prepared to be discharged by us under the new rules of evidence to prove our faith now one question again another question arose will faith as it is if we prove the faith will it lead to ownership of the property ram janmabhoomi as a piece of land was eventually to be handed over to the plaintiffs who are hindus and that piece of land was the prayer portion and the declaration with respect to that piece of land was sought so the i'm repeating the point so will faith establishment of faith lead to the grant of possession of the property apparently it doesn't and the court said that you need to establish so who were the contestants before the court the first contestant was the worshipper i appeared for a worshipper the second contestant was the dt itself ram lalla so it was argued by me that the worshipper status many a times is higher than the god itself so the worshippers rights are the rights which are guaranteed under the constitution because the preamble itself says that we have a, a, a liberty of belief faith and worship 
So if I believe that Rama was born in this place, would I not have a constitutional right to worship him? And uh, that question was answered by us to prove again, because ultimately it's a question of proof. What is the proof that this is the place of worship? We read, we read to the court, uh, the 60th century Skanda Puran's shlok, which said that for Hindus, ultimate aim is moksha. And this place is of such great importance to us that it is a place of moksha daya. So Skanda Puran itself said, Tasmat Stanina. Eshane Raja Janma Rama Janma Pravartate Janmastana Midam Puroktam Mokshadi Falasadhanam. So it's saying specifically that it is at this place that Rama Janma Bhumi was there. And it is said about this Janmastanam that at that Janmastanam visitation, worship and darshanam itself is moksha faladayanam. If that's the religious mandate, then who on earth can stop us from doing it? Which devotee can be stopped from visiting the Janmasthan and making a prayer there? To that extent, court did not have a problem. Court accepted that you have a religious right and you have a right to worship. Though that was also opposed on many counts, technical grounds, which is not necessary for us to get into. And said that uh, you have a right, you are a worshipper, worshippers' rights are also equally recognized from the times of the council, so these are accepted. But then the, this was a small battle. It didn't stop there. Then you needed access to it. The real place of Janmasthan is believed under the central dome of Ram Janmabhumi. And central dome was little away from the barricade and uh, people were standing outside the barricade and then watching the central dome and do a darshan and walk away. But then the question arose as to how long is it not a time when we could put the deity there and then do the prayer and then rebuild the temple? Then who should have the possession of the temple then? Then the issue arose as to who can claim the possession of the property? Possession of Janma Bhumi as a proprietary right. It is at this stage that uh, the suit filed by uh, filed on behalf of Ram Lala came up for hearing, was taken up for that matter. So it is in the suit of Ram Lala that it was prayed that the deity itself, the Vigraha itself, is a corporate, is an entity, juristic personality. And that juristic personality can claim ownership and have possession of the property. So therefore, as Ram Lala, his Janmasthan must be given to him. 
and in his petition there was a second plaintiff interestingly that is the sthanam itself that sthanam that place which is so divine which is actually the place in which the divinity has descended onto earth and that is the belief should have a juristic personality in itself why can't it be so that was opposed to the name you can't have a place as a divinity how can you have a place as a divinity so the matter went on and on argued on and on so the question arose ah can natural phenomenon also become divinity what do you say about uh, amarnath shivling we pray uh, the flowing ganga to himalaya is also god put for us and um, um, kailash is god put for us so in fact uh, i had uh, i was mentioning to the court that we have this uh, uh, prayer the prayer for prayer on behalf of the panchabhutas prudivap tej vayur akasha in the form of shiva where uh, the natural elements are prayed in different forms and that form is represented either by a shivlinga or something like that but then when it comes to the existence of godhood in what is called akasha that is uh, idha then uh, it's unique that uh, the origin of uh, that um, element is nothing but sound so therefore the i had answered to the court stating that in chidambaram the dt is sound and that is akasha and sound has no form and when you open the curtain in chidambara temple that's why it's called the chidambara rahasyam when you open it you don't see anything there now nowadays priest keep some small idol that the matter but originally nothing else but then that's the scope ambit of the hindu religion which is not bound by the western definition of quote unquote religion as our laws also understand so therefore where is the legal structure to understand and support and ensure that the constitutionally promised rights of every citizen to have the liberty of thought belief faith and expressions satisfied by a court constitutional court so uh, this issue of whether the juristic personality can also be given the status of a plaintiff and ask permit him to ask for the relief was argued much much but i will answer this here itself before i go to other issues that were uh, discussed in the judgment court found some practical problems it thought it were practical problems and this is not a occasion for me for me to give a critique of the judgment but then the court thought in its best opinion 
that uh, this could be unbound tomorrow somebody could claim a mountain and then say that divinity had manifested and people had forgotten about it so therefore the entire temple must be handed over or those who are on the mountain must vacate to that the apprehension of the court was that already pre-existing rights are there over the property and then uh, any natural phenomenon itself cannot become a divinity unless there is a special feature or some kind of a manifestation which is so evident that this is therefore to be treated as is evident as a divinity by itself so therefore court did not accept that the natural phenomenon by itself can have the status of a juristic personality and then claim the right over that area uh, but in any event again this juristic personality is also much of a western concept in the sense that uh, it is intended to protect the property for us uh, if there was an, a temple if somebody was misusing the temple uh, the way in which it could be rectified was the sanatana dharma which could have uh, retrieved it back and restored it as per the principles which are there which is not the, this is not the place to discuss all that but anyway as we are under the new methodology uh, which is now appropriated by us as our laws this was a principle court has gone to some extent to say yes it is possible even with respect to a natural phenomenon to be claimed as a juristic personality but then it must have a special feature it must be distinct and it must be proved having said that the court said uh, yes uh, belief in rama is not a vinya it is not a, a argument which is made just for the purpose of grabbing property and we believe and uh, we trust the contentions that uh, there is such a belief so finally we could convince the court that there is a belief amongst hindus that rama is our divinity and that uh, ayodhya is the place of his birth and that uh, that is the place where thousands go and that there is a right of worship in that area so this having been established the question arose as to whether faith will automatically lead to possession court said no it can't for possession there must be some kind of a proprietary ownership again this is again a western concept i can say some kind of a proprietary ownership over the property how do you you should show that some kind of a right existed so uh, the, the the issue before the court therefore was that uh, the when do when was this right established so it was argued that this right already al always existed but then when babar invaded as a conqueror or whatever it may be then he demolished it and then he built the mosque then in which case it was not a legal act it is an illegal act so therefore no proprietary right inheres in such a conqueror so therefore my right 
as a devotee or as a ram lalla which existed and which was violated had to be rectified to that the court had another serious problem there that's again a legal issue court's problem was how far do we go in history and rectifying the uh, acts of uh, acts committed by any of these uh, conquerors or kings or whoever it may be but any anybody for that matter the validity of that is to be judged from the commencement of the constitution itself but then how far do we go to judge the correctness of the act committed by babar or his predecessor or the successor that is not possible so therefore the court said that we will draw a cut off line and then say that from the time out was annexed and then from the time the constitution came into force on the basis of the principles of equity good conscience we will decide whether an act is right or wrong this again is an issue which uh, need not be discussed here as to uh, as to whether that approach was right or wrong but then nevertheless the court was uh, having a genuine difficulty but in the sense of judging the correctness and validity but this is not the way in which south africa or other const other constitutional courts had looked into it but if you could establish that it was a age old right a similar uh, much before history can take you and then there is a continuity in that then in which case the courts can say what needs to be done and it is irrelevant whether the babar's act should be determined as a legal act or an illegal act the question is only establishment of a right do you have a right do we have a right that's the question it's not the validity of the action of a conqueror of 14th century or 13th century but then it was argued and the court had to answer court said that it is not possible for us to judge the acts and get into a moral judgment of that then again yet another interesting turn took place when uh, somebody who appeared for one of the parties had said that uh, it was not babar who built the mosque it was subsequently um, it was during the time of aurangzeb that uh, the temple was demolished and the uh, mosque was built and th this coincided with um, other pieces of evidence as meenakshi ji has told you that uh, different teller and finch and such travelers who came and recounted at that point of time that uh, there is a place where large number of hindus come give oblations there as i think he has seen uh, black till there Uh, as we would always give black pill as oblations so he says people are picking up black thin stones and then giving oblations uh, they believe that uh, their god is born here and all that so keeping those pieces of evidence at the time when these foreign travelers have come at that time there was no mosque and there were ruins as they specifically mentioned there establishes that there was temple there was a prayer continuously going on so therefore the mosque would have been built subsequently that argument was followed by a sub subordinate argument that uh, what was built therefore is actually not a mosque uh, 
both questions were answered the court said that we will not get into this question as to whether the mosque was built by babar or not because all the parties have in their case stated that babar had built the mosque so again the rules of the game as i was telling you the rules of the game of evidence that is the battle which we need to fight under that battle we are told that these are the rules so therefore if you have stated once that babar had built it you can't now go back on that so therefore we will not permit you to change the stand and we will stick to that earlier stand that babar built it and it's not the aurangzeb so that turn also was negotiated and then the court came to this conclusion that it is unnecessary for us to get into this detail and then there was another argument another very interesting argument it's a very very interesting argument uh, that is where the statesmanship of the court also should be seen this argument is like this when this conquerors came demolished temples it's not a solitary phenomenon they demolished temples and then built structures of their faith it's an establishment of their faith it's to prove the superiority it is to prove the control this is invariably what a conqueror does so what was built was not really in the nature of a mosque it was built as a symbol of power so uh, it is not a mosque so therefore don't treat it as a mosque or a religious place that was the argument uh, in furtherance of that argument what was placed before the court as is as to how a mosque should be built what are the descriptions or the tenets under islamic law for the construction of a mosque what are the basic ingredients for the existence of a mosque how the prayer in a mosque should be conducted all those details are taken out from the islamic law mohammedan law and uh, large uh, number of documents were uh, were filed before the court and this point was argued in detail the high court accepted that and said that something like what's called the wazu where you wash your hands and legs before you sit for a prayer and certain other things which are absolutely necessary were completely missing here it was never intended to be a mosque and uh, um, i remember that my discussion with mr parasaran on this issue Uh, but a uh, great man that he is he says that why are we to get into their religion and why are we to tell the court that uh, this is not the way the mosque should be uh, should come into existence so from our side we didn't really pitch this point but some others who had argued this point had taken it to its logical end argued it in very much in detail showed those documents in fact they were justified because the high court had accepted to the text in and uh, it 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 seemed to me i won't have any hesitation to say it seemed to me that it was not built as a mosque it was built as a structure for the purpose of 
uh, establishing something over an existing structure. What did the court do? Court said that you are drawing us into a kind of a debate where two versions on the method and manner in which a religious structure is to be raised, to be analyzed by us. And so far as the court is concerned, we should not get into a moral judgment about what is right, what is wrong with respect to religious tenets. For us, as we see, Muslims prayed in this area for years. So if they believe it to be a mosque and they prayed for such a long time, then in which case, why should we get into it? We will not get into this aspect of it and then take a judgment, make a, make a judgment on this issue as to whether it is a mosque or not a mosque, whether it is a mosque as per the tenets, which are so strict in Islam law, Islamic law, which are very strict and clear and categorical whose money should be utilized, whether the money from the king can be utilized or not, whether it should be his private property or whether it should be the state's property, how it is to be done and in which manner, whose land is to be done, whether can you take anybody's land and then build it over that. Where was the ownership of this property of the persons who have built? And uh, what is the proof of that ownership which gave the proprietary right to build a mosque? All these aspects of it, which the High Court had gone into, the Supreme Court said that we will not touch upon this. We will leave it at that. Here we should all understand that uh, it's again a very sensitive matter. Just imagine a situation where the court would say, what you built is not a mosque. And then the court would say that how a mosque is to be built, according to us. In fact, this approach is what Hindus suffered for years together when the court time and again entered into the domain of religious matters and uh, gave its judgment so far as uh, Hindu religious rights are concerned. Uh, all freedom is lost for Hindus and uh, much of the freedom for appointment of Mathadipatis or freedom to utilize the funds for in the way that they would want and many a cases, even rituals were interfered with the court, by the court, for some reason or the other, which they thought it was within the bound of, uh, within the uh, sphere of uh, non-religious nature of those duties. So therefore, under that garb, the court had interfered phenomenally in many of the rights, which has now led to the Supreme Court to rethink about its historical decisions and uh, have therefore fixed a nine-judge bench for that, which we need not discuss it now. So what the court uh, decided today is not to get into that question. So um, it was a mosque then. And then the court said that demolition of the mosque was illegal. And uh, legality or illegality and further consequences of that are a different matter. So if it is a mosque, if it is uh, demolition is illegal, then what remains in that? What remains is possession. It's a unique feature of this case that the 
evidence showed that hindus existed in this place prior to the mosque very clearly during the mosque and after the mosque the faith i told the court repeatedly is so strong that it is prevalent all through the times no time as meenakshi ji was also saying look at the faith of those people the belief the sacrifice they said that you could see that nihangs gave their lives at the time when you know the first war of independence nihangs were the persons who fought and wanted the the british did all their best to remove them but then they just didn't move it, move out of that place at the risk of their life they challenged them to kill them those are the great people like that reminded me like tek bahadur guru tek bahadur who challenged who gave his life to the hindu if we if all hindus are there today we are completely totally indebted to them to the great deeds of uh, the great sacrifice of guru tek bahadur i don't know whether i oh, i'll just conclude uh, in a short while i've already let on yeah if maybe you can take a few one or two minutes and then we can continue in the q and a session sir yes 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 so therefore these i have covered the main points having done this what is to be done asi report came now so far as the asi report is concerned they said asi report very clearly establishes that there was a pre existing non islamic structure you look at uh, the unreasonableness of that a non islamic structure and the mosque was built on the foundation of that structure and that structure was larger than the existing mosque and there were artifacts of hindu faith but then there is no proof that it is ram janmabhoomi how many years uh, and again i ask you that very question the name of the game is proof so court is asking us prove that it is ram janmabhoomi how are we to prove that there is a uh, drawing room there is a bedroom that's the place where uh, kausalya gave birth what kind of what is the expectation of the court what is the burden that the people of faith have to discharge in a matter like this but anyway that evidence gave support which again was fought not so much by the muslims in fact large number of witnesses of muslim witnesses vouched for the existence of the faith i had cataloged and then placed it before the court muslim witness after witness witness after witness says that we all know that how makkah is important for us ram janma bhoomi is for us but then that is not acceptable for our left friends so therefore they wouldn't permit them to speak the truth that they have a strangle hold over them because we always have the problem because much of the hindu muslim strife if at all i it's my belief is much brought through the intellectual methodology rather than the real thing people have faith they respect each other muslims always respected and we also respected us except for except for the invaders and things like that but how do we I mean, this is intellectual fight this it is a fight by distorting facts these are the weapons of modern day you don't have a sword you have a wrong report prepared court issued contempt to those left uh, archaeologists who came and then sought to produce wrong evidence court issued contempt but then you know who is there because as long as you 
there are no consequences to his actions there's nobody we will just bypass these and then keep living that's the phenomenal uh, situation how we it's a great surprise that how we subsisted despite such intellectual onslaught all the time then finally with respect to possession of the property that is not much of a much of an issue the court came to the conclusion that there are three phases phase 1 1528 when the so called masjid was uh, uh, built to 1857 prior to that archaeological evidence travelers evidence puranas and all that that existed but when it came to uh, 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 subsequent 1528 to 1857 absolutely no evidence of any prayers or any evidence of the usage of the mosque prior to that the evidences included even the skanda puran itself which pin pointedly said that this is where it is it says vigneshwarat purva bhage vasishtat uttari tada lomashat paschima bhage janmasthanam janmasthane tatah smatam it is there on the vigneshwarat's left vasishta's right and lomashat paschima bhage so these were all there 6th century document that was placed before the court but that having been established only as a matter of faith and also some kind of an indication where exactly they say the whole question was we believe that it is in it has come to this stage in the last moments of the case we believe that yes we agree now that it is india we agree that it is ayodhya we agree by the banks of sarayu and in sarayu it is near the mosque outside the three domes i understand that's that is the place but from that place to few yards inside they say that's not the place how can you prove it that is how the court also at that point of time boiled down everything to what is to be done they divided into three phases phase 1 is 1528 to 1857 there is no evidence of of prayers in the mosque and 1537 to 1934 continuous uninterrupted strife there was constant fight killings so that means that adverse possession as a principle of law which they have argued did not get satisfied because no hindu devotee ever permitted them to peacefully go ahead with their prayers as if they have forgotten about it and have accepted their title it's a clear indication that the title was not accepted and on the contrary there was continuous fight and from 1934 the phase 3 it was specifically provided it was specifically uh, the finding was that the prayers was done by both even in the central dome but then muslims prayed only on fridays so much so the conclusions were that in this place as a matter of possession that we are talking about both prayed look at the affirmation or the positive part so far the muslims are concerned they considered this to be a mosque they considered this to be a place where they had worshiped they had not abandoned the place they worshiped every friday and that they continued to and that the demolition was not correct and therefore what is to be done in view of the entirety of the surrounding facts with the historical background the court came to this conclusion that the 
entirety, uh, the, the parikrama was also being considered and said that so far as the Muslim parties are concerned, the uh, considering the importance of the matter, the possession is to be handed over to the trust and then the trust will uh, 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 take control of the property and uh, the temple will be permitted to be built and at the same time for the purpose of mosque four acres of land should be handed over all that all of you know about the final decision of the judgment but then these are the principles or the basis of which the court made this decision so i tried to make it interesting and i have eschewed a lot of uh, legalese from out of this narration i hope uh, you you would uh, understand the difficulty in the uh, establishment of truth and uh, the principles on the basis of which we waded through and tried to <laughs> prove according to the principles of uh, evidence act uh, wherever whichever we one after another one after another on faith on uh, proof from the which time is to be started this is a mosque this is not a mosque having lost on one two one two slide finally we came towards possession and then somehow we could clinch it at that with this i conclude and thank you thank you very very much for giving me this opportunity and i wish you all the best thank you thank, thank you, you thank you very much sir uh, for this fantastic uh, presentation uh, and it's amazing that uh, you you have not used any uh, technical terminology at all <laughs> you know uh, thank you for that uh, you know but we have learned you know i mean it, proving the obvious is probably the most difficult thing and uh, especially the specific circumstances of the indian uh, situation of you know what religion means uh, you have really brought it out very very well uh, and uh, in such a short time uh, you have covered all important aspects you know, of uh, uh, the issue thank you very much sir i think there are a lot of questions uh, which people are asking you know I, we request you to stay on uh, uh, for the q and a session uh, there are a lot of questions pending